You're listening to the Sports Bros Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything BYU sports. Now here are your hosts, Andy Karchner, a.k.a. Big Bro, and Aaron Karchner, a.k.a. Little Bro. That's right, it's time for your Sports Bros Podcast. Welcome to your weekly dose of BYU sports. My name is Andy Karchner, a.k.a. Big Bro, coming at you from the Pacific Northwest. Joined by Will Burrow, a.k.a. Aaron Karchner, coming at you from the South in Texas. Aaron, how's it going? Hey, Texas has got a cold front, <laughs> and a cold front in Texas means we haven't broken 90 degrees in a week, and it is amazing. So I'm doing great because now I don't walk outside and get blasted with humidity, <laughs> and it, it's just the fall crispness. The end of September, you know, getting into October, I, I love this time of year. It's pretty great. I love fall too. Everyone, of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Sports Bros. You can get all of our podcasts um, at Anchor or really anywhere else you get it. I love fall time. Um, you know, probably in San Antonio, it's like, oh my gosh, it's 83 degrees. And yes, accurate. The seven trees in town have a couple of leaves that are brown. But up here in the Pacific Northwest, where everything is green, you know, like it really turns chilly and it really turns the, the colors are beautiful. But really, it feels like football, right? It's just, it, it you know, we're, obviously football starts at the, at the end of uh, August, the beginning of September, but it feels like football when you just get that little Christmas. Even when it's yeah. 75 degrees outside, you, you feel it, you know? You feel that yeah. little nip in the air and you're like, mm, I want some hot chocolate and football. Yeah, it's like if you have a, like a five o'clock kickoff, it's like warm enough. You don't need a jacket. But by the time get the game is over, like eight, eight thirty or something, mm-hmm. you need a little depending on where you are in the country. Right? But you right. need that little jacket and it's just a little bite. And when you and it's also, also perfect to play in like playing football in 100 degree weather <laughs> sucks. Playing football at like the end of September might be like the best Best time ever. It's awesome time here. Not to mention the NFL's in full swing. Yeah. You got basketball training camps kind of starting up, you know, in NBA and, and college here in a couple of weeks. I mean, I know we talk about this every October about the best time of year, but it's this is this is a fun time right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I used to be a baseball fan, but my Mariners have just been so terrible for so Suck. long that I just I just have lost interest in baseball, though I still hold it in my heart. But yeah, coming up in the next month, basketball starting. I mean, it's the best. Um, I'm looking forward to watching BYU play up here in Portland against University of Oregon. That is going to be a lot of fun in the Moda Center. I'm actually really interested. Let's, let's talk about this real quick. Okay. I mean, this is total impromptu subject interjection here. I got to say, everyone's kind of assuming that the Moda Center is going to be like 90% Duck fan and like 10% BYU fan. But but I got to say, so I have been to a lot of basketball events here in, in in portland and they love their trailblazers up here definitely but and they love their ducks football i just the ducks basketball following i just don't sense that it's as big as the ducks football following and let me tell you i've been to a very large handful of byu basketball games against university of portland which is admittedly a small kind of obscure program around here um but i've been to it and they are to call it a virtual home game is an understatement. Yeah. It is literally 85 to 90% BYU fans in a very small gym, but it's all BYU fans. And basketball in the church is a thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you grow up playing basketball, and I, I really expect a good turnout for BYU versus Oregon in the Moda Center in November. 
there's a huge LDS contingent there, as as you preface with their the Portland uh, mm -hmm. showings, and, and and then all and then because you'll you'll grab people from Seattle and Southern Oregon kind of coming there. So yeah, I there's no way it's going to be like a 75-25. You're you're going to have a huge BYU contingent there, and that should be a great game and a really yeah. great gauging RPI gauge yeah. for right, for it, who yeah. and where this BYU basketball team is going to be this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it for that reason and uh, you know, I don't expect it to be a home game. I don't expect it to be, you know, like Las Vegas or anything like that, but I, I really do expect a really good showing of BYU fans. Um so uh, that being said, Aaron, we are on the uh, back end today of, uh, I don't know, a football game that, uh, shall we say, failed to impress. Uh, it, now, BYU just beat um, South Florida in Provo, and it was by eight points, and that's technically a one-score game. What... I have been the resident negative Nancy and every football season, everyone piles on me on Twitter because I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, let, let me hear from you first, Aaron. I got some things to say, but let's, let's kind of sandwich my negativity with some positivity from you right on the front end. And then, so save some of your positivity for the back end after I unload some of my frustrations. That's fair. Cause I know I share probably all of your frustrations. So, I will just try and give the BYU fans a dose of good things that I saw yesterday. Let's start from the very obvious. Baylor Romney was fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, you could not have asked for a better performance from your number two than that. And, yeah. and it's not really like it's a shock, though. I mean, right? We've seen no. Baylor do this every year. It seems mm -hmm. like he has to start a spot start one or two times, and he plays fantastic. Yeah. And he, he, he did exactly what he was supposed to yesterday. He got the ball and out. He was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Never was in harm's way. Never put the ball in harm's way. I mean, he only incompleted five passes. You know, threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns. He's okay. So that that's the, my biggest takeaway is that, like, if and when Jaron goes down, we truly can feel really comfortable with Baylor. Okay, and yeah, again, yeah, yeah. We, we all knew that. Going into this game, I, I didn't have any fears. Like, sure. I, I heard that Jalen was out, Jaron was out, and I was just – Oh, okay. It's USF. And I have full confidence in Baylor Romney. Yeah. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. It's, it's really, it's a, it's an amazing safety net to have. Absolutely. Uh, number two, it was really nice to see Puka Nakua be really involved yesterday mm. and go over the century mark, right? He yep. got one of the two deep balls, right? Romney got a couple deep balls, but then Puka got a deep ball. He actually did really great job of getting positioning on his guy. He had four catches for 102, an average of 25 yards a catch. Yeah, um, including that long of 55. That was really, really great to see Puka get involved because he's really been quiet these first couple weeks. So I was and really, really like that. Let me add on to that. It's not just about Puka. The BYU obviously came out ready to start kind of flexing their explosive muscles. Yeah, um, which it, they, they hadn't done in the first week. First exactly, ex exactly. And they've been vocal about it. Aaron Rodgers has been vocal that they want to be more explosive. Obviously, last year was BYU was the number one most explosive team in the country. Um, and they wanted to kind of start flexing that a little bit more. Their offensive efficiency numbers haven't been great. So obviously, I mean, it was only three or four plays in that they were taking shots downfield, right? And that's part of the reason why this crazy lopsided time of possession happened because BYU was holding the ball for two minutes at a time. Yeah. And then their scoring. first, their first two possessions ate up a total of nine plays, 170 yards. I think it was 160 yards mm -hmm. and like a total of like four and a half minutes. 
So yes, the big plays were there, and that was great. So that's a and so that's kind of number three on the list. Is they hit some big plays. Um, another good thing is they didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. Four games in, and BYU has two turnovers, yeah. and those were in one game. And I don't care who you're playing; that's important. Ball and again, that's huge. that's that's a a translatable skill. Right. When you are holding onto the ball, you're not putting the ball in, in, in speaking of a quarterback, putting it in tight windows in danger, right, of getting uh, intercepted or tipped. So two turnovers through four games is fantastic. That's really um, good. Totally agree. Ball security is huge. You can, especially in a game like this where, you know, you're kind of outmatching the other team. It's a inferior talent wise and, and kind of just program wise. Um, game, you, you hold on to the ball, you're most of the time going to win. You're not going to lose very often to inferior mm-hmm. teams when you give up no turnovers, right. especially, you know, they technically got a turnover. It was on fourth down anyway, but, you know, they, they scooped up that fumble underneath the, the center's legs. Uh, so, yeah, no, the, the ball security is great. I mean, that one almost pick six by Jaron last week was was the, the, the only boneheaded decision of any player really all mm-hmm. season, except for Mason Wake leaping over every single person that's within 18 <laughs> yards of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, so no, I love there, that there's my positives. Game. There's my positives for you. I think I may have accidentally used all of them up, but I, okay, I will, well, I will find a... some more to try and counter your, uh, your negative Nancy that I'm going to put the timer on you. So you don't just take uh, no, this I'll podcast. Go, I'll kind of go bit by bit and get your take. I, I'm not going right. to just rant right now. I've ranted online on Twitter uh, plenty. So um, here's my deal. Like, a lot of people, I get it. There was a lot of in- injuries, right? I get it. There was a lot of guys down going into the game. And then it seems like every other play, there was another injury. That was insane. Yeah. And two of your best plays in Mahe and, and, um, and uh, uh, Peely are down for the whole game. Right. So that's, that's huge. Right. As, as far as and stopping- Tyler Batty didn't play either. Right. Oh yeah. And Batty as well. Thank you. That's, that's, that's a big time, but here's my deal with the injuries. Like if BYU's second string is significantly worse than the first string of a terrible program like South Florida, that is a problem, right? I, 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 I've been told that BYU's depth is so much better now. And now we're finally getting to see Kalani's and this is not a Kalani bash. I, I didn't want that tone of sound away, but we know we're finally getting to see this coaching staff's, you know, full, recruits and style and et cetera, et cetera. And what did we see? The second and thirds went out there and got clobbered on the defensive end, not the offense. I'm not going to say anything about the offense, right? Like, honestly, the only bad thing I could possibly say about the offense is like those two bad throws by Baylor in the end zone, but like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, th- those could go to play calls in my opinion. Yeah. Both. I, I don't love three, sure. three, three passes in the end zone when you have, when you have a great running back either, but whatever, that's not the point. Point is the defense Lots of second stringers, but not all second stringers. Like you had Wilgar in there, you had Chaz Ayu in there, you had you had lots of guys in there that are starters, and they just came out and did what they've done all year. Like this defense is bend don't break, and they're just I, I continue to think they're just lucky that they haven't broken. It's 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 almost pure luck. Like I, I I'm gonna go sorry, okay. Go, I'm, go, I'm gonna go, go, I'm gonna go, cut go. you off. I, I think this was the first game BYU played Ben Don't Break. I think the other three games, I think BYU was being aggressive. I think they were relying on their their secondary before their secondary started getting depleted. Um, which by the way, I'm pretty sure Keenan Ellis came back last night. Um, if I remember seeing number five out there, I'm gonna check the stats. Oh, that real would quick. be crazy. I did not notice I, that. I thought I saw him out there, unless it's another number five. But um I thought last night 
they were so scared of McLean's running, even though he still ran 15 times for 55 yards, that they played a lot more drop eight, drop seven, instead of like last week against Arizona State's quarterback, um, blitzing and getting to him and rattling him. I felt like last night's was the first game plan of the first four years where you sat there and like, wait a second, this is what BYU did last year when they let guys or, or two years last, or let's just go over the tenure of the last you know, of this staff of Ben don't break. I thought it was really interesting. I don't remember how many times I saw BYU actually bring pressure last night. I mean, I it may have been a hand. I mean, a handful of times and props to Timmy McLean. He is elusive and he, yeah. he, he's a good looking player, but I just thought last night was the first time I saw a Ben don't break. Not the rest of the year. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think they've been just because you're blitzing, some doesn't mean that your general philosophy isn't we're just not going to get beat over the top and that means we're going to have a soft middle or soft edge depending on how, how you choose it and they definitely played that way all year right even though they've they've sent they've sent blitzes and they've had and they've been doing more man on the outsides out, outsides still the point is we're going to give up a lot of points but then we're gonna, you're going to have to score on us in the red zone and for the most part they've been great at it um but Against USF, it it look. I mean this this team is number I think in the twenties or thirties, and yeah, they're actually way down in the they're number forty five in scoring defense, giving up twenty points a game, which is good, right? Broncos metric was always twenty four points or less per game or fewer per game for the defense. So they're they're their scoring defense is okay, but now when you, when you get into the meat of it, right? Their rushing defense ranked. 80, 80th in the country, giving up 151 rushing yards a game. Their passing def- defense, 72nd in the country, giving up 226 uh, passing yards a game. Against USF, they gave up a total of 360 yards, including 174 on the ground. Against Arizona, their other subpar uh, opponent, they gave up 426 total yards, including 345 through the air. So, like, I just... I get a little frustrated when everyone just goes, oh, well, BYU's played a tougher schedule, and and that's why they, you know, their, their stats just haven't haven't caught up yet to the rest of the country, you know. But look, they've played Arizona and, and South Florida. Those are dumpster fire programs right now. They really are. And so to just, like, lay out the red carpet like that, I said it last week, that's not sustainable. I am yeah. sorry. I know Utah State looked like – an absolute implosion against Boise state in the red zone. Yes. Uh, on Saturday, but Boise or, but Utah state can put up numbers. If you think you're going to give up 400 yards a game against inferior opponents and continue to win, that's a recipe for disaster. It is a recipe for disaster. And on short rest with a lot of banged up guys this Friday, once again, scares me. You're on mute, Aaron. The concerning thing to me is is the two drives that took up seven plus minutes. And so actually there were three drives. Okay, so USF had five scoring drives yesterday. Three of those drives added up to a total of 24 minutes. Three drives. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got a six minute, 39 seconds. You have 735 and a 905. Also totaling 19, 14, that's 33 46 plays, 46 plays in 24 minutes in three drives like that to have that happen to you against, you know, say Arizona state or, or Baylor or something like, okay. 
But like you said, you can't have that happen against inferior opponents. And BYU just could not get off yeah. the field. The, USS last, USF's last four drives of the game all ended in touchdowns. They figured it out. Now, they I, only, I, only had three touchdowns. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Three touchdowns. The, the, the point is they, they figured it out and BYU kind of lacked the killer instinct. They kind of went up big. I mean, this has happened now four times in a row. BYU goes up double digits. BYU kind of feels like they have the game in control in the what first or second quarter or whatever, and then lays an egg, right? Yeah. yeah. BYU once again has exactly one good quarter. You know what I mean? BYU cannot put together a four quarter game to save their lives. And that's trouble. That's very, that's, that's concerning when it's a trend. We talked about this last week about trends, right? BYU always went down and made the score or, you know, did that drive to kind of put the game away because it now is a trend through three Mm -hmm. games. Well, the trend through three games now is you've, you get double digit leads and then you let this other team get back into it. You're up 28 to six at halftime. There's no reason for USF to have any breath of no. fresh air there. And then BYU scores seven points in the second half. Now, admittedly, I think they only had three or four possessions because USF right. just marched and marched and marched. So this is, this game to me is on the defense. Absolutely. And and, and you've said this already, like the, the offense has absolutely no issues. I mean, so the offense well, scored the five offense touchdowns on Saturday. had no issues. The, the yeah. offense only had eight possessions yesterday. Right. Right. You have five touchdowns. You have a blocked kick. You have a punt, and then that final inconsequential the final, drive where you you know ran just, it and got a couple yeah, first downs you, you and ran the clock. Yeah, mm-hmm. A typical game is twelve to fourteen. So BYU had twenty five to thirty percent less touches last night yeah. because the defense couldn't get a turnover, couldn't get a turnover on downs except for that first opening series or second whatever it was, and just couldn't get the freaking team off the field. Yeah, like this defense needs. And, and Arizona did this too. The two worst teams that BYU has played so far, both of them have marched methodically mm-hmm. multiple times that's an issue right right if this were a one-off like like i get it like last year byu struggled a couple times against um utsa who's turning out to now four and oh to be not terrible right um utsa they stumbled a few times byu did and of course they stumbled against coastal carolina i i, I could forgive a, a hiccup you know this isn't a hiccup this is this is who they are right now byu is is a team that gets a lead and then the defense kind of forgets how to defend or maybe just teams come in and figure them out in the second half. I'm not sure which of it is, which of it it is, but it's, it's a trend, but okay, look, that's it, Aaron. I mean, like that's my deal. My deal is this team does not have a sustainable pattern to win as many games as I want them to win. And here's my question for you, Aaron, what, is the standard for a good season this year now 25% in we're going to do it in a, in a minute here we'll do a we'll do a 25% year in review but at this point looking forward at 4-0 what will be considered a successful season um are we including bowl game or not yeah whole season right on okay. on January 15th when we look back what are we going to say if x has happened I'm going to feel good about this. this okay. Season. So that it's, it's super hard because I don't, I don't think what I was going to say originally is fair, but I think the expectation is nine wins. Like you have to get nine wins. You have four right now and you have eight 
theoretically nine with a bowl game left, you know, unless BYU loses the next eight, right? But like, I think nine wins, you have to get nine wins. If you get eight wins and you end this season after four and oh, and then you end at eight and five and is what four. that would yeah. be, mm-hmm. like, that would be incredibly disappointing. Right at this point, they'd have to go five hundred from here on out to to to, to drop four t- drop right. four games. Yeah, mm-hmm. which to me is unacceptable. Like I feel like this team is capable of beating everybody on their schedule, but that doesn't mean that they will or can. I think they're capable, but there are some good teams still on this schedule. So to me, you mean nine anything, regular season wins and then a win in the bowl game to make it ten? I I was leaning towards ten is kind of the expectation now, but I think nine is probably like yeah, you need to get nine wins so, regular season wins. Even well, to me, that that still means you go five and two the rest of the way, or sorry, five and three. Right. And I'm like, I I just don't feel like three losses is is acceptable the rest of the way. Right. Who are you going to lose to? You're going to lose to Baylor and USC, who just got trampled by the way by Oregon State. Um, you're going to lose to. Baylor, USC, and then hiccup against a Virginia or a Washington State or something, or Utah State, like we said. No, yeah, I, I, I mean, agree. You're going to your... lose all the other good teams on your schedule? Like, that would suck. That would suck. Yeah, no. That here. Okay, here's my deal, Aaron. And I say that all the time now, but this yeah, is not your... fair. This is not fair, but this is the reality for me, especially after going 4 now and beating three P5s. It's New Year's 6 or bust for me. You have to make it to New wow. Year's 6. No, it's true. Look, Aaron... I am. I just don't get any satisfaction out of nine, ten win seasons anymore. I am an. I'm a little bit older, and I know a lot of the youngins. You know, don't remember the days where every single year we won conference championships and won ten, nine, ten games a season. You know, I, I, I'm just. I don't get anything out of that. This I have had 2021 circled on my calendar for years, saying this is the schedule that is has a lot of kind of P5 in name only teams that are completely winnable. And that sets BYU up for a season in which they can either go to New Year's six and say, yes, we can play with the big boys or say P5 schedule has never been really the standard here. The standard has been, you have to be a part of the, of the crowd. So in this year I go, look, for this to be a successful season, you have to make it to New Year's Six game. Now, if you're going to go to New Year's Six and lose to a Georgia or, you know, Notre Dame or something, I'm not going to cry any tears about that. But I mean, just going to the Independence Bowl and beating up on like Sunbelt or whatever the heck team it is going to be there, that's just not going to feel like it. It's going to it's going to work this year for me. So okay, th- I, that's that's well, crazy. I mean, but I get it. Like I totally understand what you're saying. But so my question is, you're putting the team's quote success. Cause that was the question, right? What's a successful yeah. season completely in the hands of somebody else. Like, because no, look, it comes I down mean, to votes and your rankings. If BYU takes care of business, I think if BYU goes 11 and one with their one loss being at what looks like a good Baylor team, right? That, that seems to be their hardest game coming up yeah. on the schedule. Right? So if you go 11 and one or heck, I even think there's a shot at 10 and two, depending on who those two, we talked about this mm-hmm. last week, who and how, but an 11-1 BYU team probably gets a New Year's Six possibility, right? Where where do they... Possibly, depending it, on a lot of right? other factors. But to me, like, d- gauging a successful season based on such a... a uh, something like that seems a little outlandish. I understand what you're saying, though. And I think well, part of that is because you look at, okay, well, where are they at right now? At 4-0, you're number 13. You're two spots out from being guaranteed a spot, right? I so, can be convinced. I get it. I- I can be convinced that 10 or 11 wins 
with a top 10 finish in the AP, I could be convinced that I would not be disappointed with that. I, I could even be if that if even if that meant like the in, the Independence Bowl gave you that eleven and yeah. ten right, and not a right. New York Six. Is that what you're saying? Okay, right. You're, you're conceding lose. that it's it's more so that ranking because usually a New Year's Six invitation means you're probably a top ten team at the end of the year, unless you're like right Virginia exactly. A years so ago lost what, four games. Or whatever. Yeah. What I well what I really anticipate is being a top ten team in the AP, but not in the college football playoff because that's what happened last year. Right? That's that's fair. Yeah. Remember yeah. the college football playoff? The you know, BYU was good like losses. eighth in the country or something. And good the first losses poll, for Iowa State. Right, exactly. And <laughs> and the first playoff ranking had BYU just so far out that it became obvious that the whole point was to just keep yeah. them out of the New Year's six at all costs. Right. So again, I, I could be convinced that you know, you go in uh, you're eleven and one, and college football playoff gives you the cold shoulder. You, you know, beat up on whatever Sunbelt team comes in the Independence Bowl. You finish the season, you know, 12 and one ranked in the top 10. And then I'm like, OK, it's the system that kept you down. It's not your own lack of success. But if you're going to go and lose to Baylor and lose to USC and then drop another one to Utah State or Boise State or Virginia, I mean, cool. Yay. Another eight and five season fun like I, it just it just doesn't do it for me that would be nine and three by the way okay nine and five so <laughs> whatever <laughs> you know what i mean like come on man if you're gonna do the math do it eight right. and nine wins is the same to me they're just they, they feel the same that's There's- fair i agree with that eight and nine regardless of the year i mean unless it's it's you know you know big 12 schedule or something like or, or a p5 like a, a conference schedule where you're playing eight or nine i think that makes sense there is a, a substantial difference between eight and nine and then 10. Once you hit double yeah, digit a- wins, I think no matter who you are in the country come, because once you get to week 10, 11, 12, 13, right? If you have 10 wins, you're almost guaranteed to be ranked to the top 25. So that kind of leads me to yeah, this. If, sure. if I could summarize it, I don't want to summarize it in wins. I summarize you need to finish the season in the top 25. Yeah. It, it- <sighs> I, for me, being finishing the year ranked twenty three, like it, it, it's cool. Like in in like the long term historical kind of perspective, it's nice to be able to say you know they finished in the top twenty five x amount of times ever per year, but it, it doesn't do it for me. And and I, this this should give you an insight into my brain is why I'm so frustrated with this team and what I have continually said is an unsustainable way to keep winning because I want BYU and I think BYU should and I expect BYU to and the standard that I have for BYU to do is something big and this is the season that all the tables are set for it to happen and so when I see them come out and play lackluster on defense four games in a row right it makes me just kind of cringe and say, you ain't going to win even 10 games playing like that. You will drop multiple games. If you play defense like that, Utah state is going to make BYU pay. If you play in Logan, the way you played on Saturday on five days, rest six days, whatever it is. You know, what's crazy is USC is two and two and BYU is four or four and oh, and USC is still a 65% chance to win that game, according to ESPN. Yeah. That's just that's brand recognition right there. And apparently Jackson Dart just had some sort of surgery. Like oh, I, I didn't hear that because he came in last week. I know, Slovis but he didn't he play against he didn't play against Oregon State. I was like, what in the world? And that changes things because when I saw Jackson Dart come in last week and just light it up, I went, Oh, great. Now USC is gonna suddenly have this 
huge surge and they're going to be suddenly really good at the end of the year and blow BYU out of the water and kind of tank the whole season. But, um, but apparently he has been injured. I'm not sure how long he's out, but uh, anyways, that doesn't matter. This is not a USC podcast. Point is, that's just kind of a, a window into my view, like as why I get so frustrated with what feels like such a fragile way to win games, because it's it's just it. That's a recipe to lose multiple games yeah. that you probably should win. Okay, so that being said, we're a quarter of the way through the season. You know, we I don't want to rehash everything we've already said, but four and zero. Right. I mean, all's right in the world. I mean, what's your what's your grade, I guess, on this BYU football team, you know, a quarter of the way into the regular season? I mean, it's hard to and I know there's no team is perfect, safe, maybe Alabama. Right. But like it's hard to give them anything but an A minus or so for me because they are four and the expectations at the beginning of this year were two and two, three yeah, two and, and one. Two. Would, mm-hmm. two and two, three and one would be great. And the fact that you're four and oh, that means something. And, and yes, and expectations top, top need 13. to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you're top 15. Like, mm-hmm. so to me, sure, it hasn't been pretty, but as we, we've alluded to so far today and last week, you know, they've handled some forms of adversity, whether it be teens coming back having to make big drives, having to make big stops, playing three power fives in a row and beating three power fives, um, ending a streak. Like it's an amazing start to the season. And it's hard to, you know, I know we're kind of like in the, <laughs> dol- you know, you're in the doldrums of they just beat a horrible USF team by only eight, but like you're four and oh, you're top 15 and you have Utah State next week and then Boise State at home with a chance to be five and oh going into a probably a top 15 main rank or matchup with Baylor in a couple weeks. Yeah. Like that's anything less than an A is just completely stupid. <laughs> well, or an A minus. I'll, I'll give you A minus. Okay. I'll give the minus for you because enter you- me and I say, I really just continue to believe that, you know, BYU is one. Onside kick recovery by USF or one pick six, not chased down by a running back against Arizona state away from being three and one or two and two. They really are that close. And so it's hard for me to just come in and give them flying colors. But you know, if you're four and oh, I'm not going to give you a C minus, you know what I mean? You're four and oh, again, with three P five uh, teams on the schedule. So I hover around to B. I really do the, the offense until, Last night, or not last night, until Saturday night, the offense has been less than, you know, juggernaut-ish. They've got the job done, especially when the defense hands hands them short fields or if special teams hands them short fields, you know. Um, They get the job done. They looked really good in the first half against USF. They looked just – they did look juggernaut-ish for one quarter. They looked unstoppable. You know, they looked like they could go downfield. They looked like they could run it up the middle. They looked like I hope they could be, but you know, that's one out of four games that they've looked, they've really impressed. So, and the defense has just been, I mean, it's crazy that they're only giving up 20 points a game right now. It just certainly doesn't feel like that. They're giving up 400 yards per game in offense. And when two of their opponents have been dumpster fires. So I'm, I'm sitting around a B B plus, maybe like if I wake up on the right side of the bed, I'll give you a B plus. 
So Man. I just want to make sure everybody knows <laughs> that when there's a negative tweet on Twitter, there's like a 90% chance True. that it is Andy, Fact. not me. Fact. Okay. Fact. That's, I just want to make sure that is extremely Fact. clear for the masses. Fact. Uh, okay. So before going on to the next, uh, the next topic, uh, I, I do have to say, I do have to say, I, I saw Greg Rubel post something and I tweeted about it today. I was fascinated by this since 2007 BYU has seen three quarterbacks make it through an entire season, an entire regular season. Insane. Right. And those three quarterbacks are Max Hall, Taysom Hill and Zach Wilson. Isn't it crazy that Taysom's actually one of those? That might be the more (laughs) spectacular part of that set. He barely made it through that regular season. Barely. Uh, Yeah. So, okay. So, a lot of takeaways was the, the main takeaway that Greg was trying to say was, oh, look how often BYU's quarterbacks are hurt. My takeaway was, if you come to BYU and don't get injured, you're going to the NFL. Like, they have 100% <laughs> NFL placement since 2007. If you finish the season without – if you start every game of the regular season at BYU, you're going to the NFL. Well, and the second part of that is – come to BYU because you're probably going to play. That is for sure. I mean, like, like there's no reason for Jacob Conover to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm out because guess what? You're probably going to play play this year, you know, and probably next year too. Like that might be the biggest takeaway, not so much the NFL, but Hey, if you want to play, even if you're in a QB battle, just, just have your helmet ready because you're going to be playing. Yeah. That there's no doubt. I mean, some of the, some of the crazy quarterbacks we've seen in the last decade and a half uh, just come through BYU and some Joe of them. Critchlow. Uh, Joe Critchlow and Christensen. And I mean, just everybody has played. It, it's I been mean, a Coy f- Detmer Jr. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's what's uh, uh, Bo who can Hodge? Name, who can who Bo Hodge? Bo Hodge. Like, who can name the most? Okay. This is we yeah, need this to tweet trivia. this out. This is the trivia. Who can name the most obscure backup quarterback that BYU has played in the last 14 years? Yeah. Because we've seen pretty much one, two, three, and four on the depth chart get in. Yeah. Like, it might be, in my opinion, Detmer Jr., because he went and transferred to like, Abilene Christian Tech or yeah, something, something after like BYU after he got into Utah State and, and threw like two interceptions. And there's and remember Austin Kofensis didn't he play a couple downs at quarterback too? Well, in that like in the package that doesn't count. In the like seven tight ends and three fullbacks package, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with Diane Lake, who I think is going by Diane Lake again. It looks like on Twitter. I, it, isn't that interesting? Yeah, I, it, it, more power to him, man. Whatever, however you want to brand yourself, it's fine. Yeah. That's okay, cool. move move it on. So we got to look forward. So. Um, Utah State coming up on Friday, right? The the conference game, if you if you will, on a Friday of conference weekend. Um, so God, Utah State, what what a letdown against Boise State. I don't know if anybody watched it. It was on CBS, which was crazy against Boise State because it was going up against uh, Notre Dame, Wisconsin. But um, Utah State had 317 yards in the first half. And zero points. Yeah, that's crazy. They ended with over 400 yards total offense and three points against Boise State. I mean, they were they were missing field goals. They were throwing interceptions. They were turning it over on downs. I've never seen a red zone offense so terrible, uh, especially in comparison to the other 80 yards of the field where Utah State kind of marched at will. Uh, how does that 
make you feel coming in on Friday with this BYU beat up squad with a lot of injuries and a defense that's not really playing real confident up in Logan. So it, it, it raises two questions. One is how good is Boise State's defense? And how good is Boise State, right? Yeah. So if you can let a team, if you bend and truly don't break, what does that say about you? So I, I don't know. I think it, it's kind of a mixture of it's got to be some of Boise. It's got to be some of Utah State, sure. right? I mean, if you go 0 for 2 on fourth downs, you have three turnovers. Like those are self-inflicted wounds, right? Um, but you can obviously move the ball 235 yards rushing against anybody's a lot of yards rushing yeah. alone against a Boise state defense this is notoriously pretty good. Um, uh, so it makes me nervous because it's BYU's first true road game, right? I mean, the Vegas one was obviously yeah. not a road game. It's insane. Um, it's going to be October before BYU plays a true road game. And it's, it, yeah, it is pretty crazy. Now, they're obviously familiar with Logan. It's not like yeah. Logan is this completely, it's not like they're going to, to USC, right. you know, where they play once a decade or so, or, or going to yeah. Florida State. It's, it's a known venue. They probably know a lot of guys on the team. Yeah. It's comfortable. Utah State, I, I mean, yes, they had a lot of yards, but I look at their wins. Okay, Washington State in North Texas. Yeah. I'm just like, that That to me is – oh, and um, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess to me, you got Washington State – or is that North Dakota? Sorry, I think it's North Dakota. And then Air Force. I'm like, okay, like I'm supposed to be impressed by that? Yeah. I'm I, sure I, you won, but it's like, I'm sorry, you beat North Dakota, Washington <laughs> State, who's – not great, especially since Leeds left, and then Air Force. I mean, that that doesn't scare me. I what scares me is not so much Utah State, but it's the BYU factor of everybody that's injured. Yep. Now it's nice that they held out the baddies, the Jaron Halls, and, and those kind of guys last you know this last week to hopefully give them a week to prepare for Utah State because after last week we saw, or after USF we saw, they need that right. They need those guys and they need that depth. So. I think I'm I'm more concerned about BYU not letting a team march, getting guys healthy than I am. Oh, Utah State is just a force to be reckoned with. We need to be watch out for. Now they I think are probably a pretty good football team, but on paper to me I'm like, to me it, nothing is impressive. Utah State uh, comes in with you know 37th in the country in terms of yards per play on offense. You know they haven't played. Uh, you know, the best of schedules, but Washington State and Boise State, they're both P5 caliber schools. So one is an actual P5 school and one is a P5 caliber school. It, it, they're not blowing anybody's socks off, but they're more than competent on offense. And, you know, if if Arizona can, if Arizona and South Florida can rack up 400 yards on BYU's defense, then certainly Utah State can. This is Utah State's Super Bowl every single year. They care more about beating BYU than they do be, about beating Utah when they play it. Yeah. They care more. I mean, they they probably care a lot about uh, the Mountain West title and stuff and playing in conference as well, but they care a lot. And there's th their students are going to be crazy. I mean, those farmers come to play. They put they down really the do. pitchforks for a couple of minutes, leave the cows unattended just to watch the BYU football game. And, you know, it, it's, it's a hostile environment. I've been there. It's a cool stadium. It's like dug out of a hole. And all the stadium is like, wow, you are just going at it, aren't you? <laughs> into the side you of are the just, hill? You are, you are just asking for farmers to be, you know, lining with their pitchforks, as no, you so actually, eloquently put. <laughs> no, okay, look, look, Utah State, I love you. I love you. No, um, you don't. The, the, all I'm saying, I, this has all the makings of 
I wouldn't call it a trap game, right? Because it's not kind of butt up. It's butt up against Boise State on the back end, but I'm not going to call it a trap game. But it's a game with little bit of with little rest and a lot of injuries and a very very um, competent and motivated Utah State squad. And so there's a there's a recipe um, for a little bit of letdown. So yeah. hopefully this the way this USF game ended is enough motivation to get BYU, you know, into the lab as the, as the kids say, you know, it's uh, get them, get them off there. And not that they've been lazy. I don't think, I think BYU has been trying hard and, and, and playing hard and preparing well, but hopefully this gives them the kind of mental edge to come in and not take anything for granted. I think this game is very similar to the Arizona state game. It'll be a, a really good measure of how BYU handles a lackluster performance. They know what happened yesterday was not acceptable. They don't need, you know, you and I to tell them that, you know, Kalani knows that that defense needs to get off the field. He knows that injuries are an issue. So it's going to be a really, I think this is going to be very indicative of the coaching this week. I think this more so than any game probably so far, because now you're, you're testing your depth, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I haven't seen, I've been working all day. So like, I haven't seen the injuries that happened yesterday, how any, yeah, impactful they are and how long term and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but then, okay. So now, how are you going to teach and coach these guys that are going to get more playing time? How are you going to respond and say, "Hey, you guys did not play the game that you were supposed to." How are they going to game plan? Because I don't think their game plan last week was very good at all. So, to me, this is going to be a, a very, very indicative of the coaching staff's ability to respond to a win but their ugliest win of the season. Like, I don't remember what happened last year when BYU beat UTSA. What was the game after? I mean, they won all their games except Coastal. I know, but I'm just curious. I want to see how it was responded. Like, how did BYU respond? I'm going to look that up right now. Well, I mean, because that to me, how you respond to an ugly win, right, says a lot. Because you can just, you could rest on your laurels and say, oh, hey, like I won, but... Last year, BYU came back and 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 slaughtered Houston forty three to twenty six. So it, after uh, actually similarly, just six days um, after beating UT- that's, UTSA, that's an incredibly like hopeful parallel. That's a very yeah. parallel thing, right? And now that I was at that Houston game, right? Houston kind of controlled that first half, and it wasn't until the end of the third quarter that BYU flipped it on. But again, they they took a, a game against UTSA that they were supposed to win by double figures. They only won by one. And then they came out against one of the better teams on their schedules last year, and they kicked their butts. So how do they do it against Utah State this year? I think that's going to be a huge indicator on continued success for the season. And I think that's going to happen every yeah. year. You're going to kind of have these games of like, okay, Arizona State, the best team they played so far. How does BYU play? Hey, guess what? They won. They handled adversity of, of getting turnovers, making big plays, crowd being a factor. Okay. Now you didn't beat a very good USF team by very much. How are you gonna, you know, respond to that when you go up to Logan? Like this yep. is gonna be a big, it's gonna be a big deal. And I I really and BYU is an eight and a half point favorite right now, which to me sounds about right. I think if you can win by eight to 14 points, I consider that a successful. A successful trip. Heck, if you win by three points, it's a successful trip. At Utah State, like unless something looks really super wacky, a win's going to be a win. And I think if they beat Utah State, that bodes really, really well. But every single week, I feel like I'm going, oh, next week, we're going to know what we have with BYU, right? After Arizona, it was like, oh, that again, it was an ugly win. And then you go to play Utah and kind of kind of handle, handle business. Probably, the, in my opinion, their best game of the season was against Utah. 
And then they come against Arizona State, and we were saying that's going to be the we're going to be able to see what we have against Arizona State, and we'll know what this team is all about. And again, it's a wacky game with a lot of weird stuff going on. And I kind of we kind of walk away saying, "Gosh, I don't know." And then the same thing against USF. I mean, it's the exact same game four times in a row. BYU. You know, it's also crazy. Last time BYU played Utah State, the team they played before Utah State was USF. So I just find that kind of an interesting parallel. Back in 2019, BYU like lost to USF, and their next game was after a bye. Actually, they had their that was when they had their two bye weeks, which was super weird. And then they played Utah State, which they won 42 to 14. And that was also a game that Jaron Hall started, didn't finish. So there's a lot of weird parallels. It's going to, you know, so here's the other question is, do you feel like, and I don't, did they ever disclose the actual injury for Jaron Hall? I heard ribs. I could not find a actual press release. I just kind of heard rumors that it was, you know, the ball kind of, smacking the ribs as he fell on it that's yeah. which would be the same thing that you know uh knocked the wind out of him so i'm, I'm going to be curious if he's healthy enough to go against utah state or if you say hey let's save you for boise state and well, play baylor like i'm curious how that goes it's a weird world where I, that's my that's the least of my concerns like play baylor i don't care <laughs> like i mean Jaren's i guess great. the concern the concern is giving the appropriate amount of reps in a short week yeah. right so who you know if, if they held out jaron to say you know let's precautionary you could have played but it's right. south florida let's keep you out so now are they okay jaron you're qb1 again or is it hey is he is is his injury significant enough that maybe we need to split reps yeah. like that to me is a big deal on a short week in a rivalry game yeah it's, and it's it is a, a rivalry make no mistake Absolutely. It's rivalry. It's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting um, kind of comparison between the two guys because Jaron had Jaron is a serviceable passer with elite speed and escapability. And Baylor has shown to be an extremely accurate, especially downfield passer with who is serviceable with his legs. Right. I thought it was hilarious. Side note here, right during the game, (laughs) right as the announcers were saying, you know, Jaron's the guy with the legs. That's not really Baylor's game. The next two plays, Baylor runs for more than 10 yards each and gets a yeah. first down. With yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> so anyways, the point is, um, it's the least of my concerns. Baylor or 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 Jaron, that's the least of my concerns. It's the injuries and especially on the defense. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really, really fun to see how that goes. It's a Friday night which kind of has its own kind of juice. They're going to be the only thing on TV. You know, the saving grace for BYU against USF was that they were on late ESPN2. Ain't nobody watching, you know. A lot of people kind of script through, maybe said, oh, eight points to USF. That's kind of weird, and just moved along. Multiple guys voted him in the, voted BYU in the top 10, 11, 12, and obviously they came out on th- in 13th. Um, so... This is going to be different. They're going to be the only show in town on Friday night. So I think you got to show up. It's going to be fun. It is. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a game that, again, I think it's going to be a good measuring stick and uh, can give you some really good, if you, especially if you perform, perform really well, um, to go on to the Boise State game. That, and before you go on a stretch where you go like three or four on the road after that. So this, yep. is, this is an important game. Important game. Agree. All right, so I think we have to wrap up. That is it for your Sports Bros podcast. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Sports Bros. You can go to anchor.fm to get all of our content. You can also download our content 
anywhere you get your podcasts, you know, if you like it on Apple, if you like it on Spotify, on Anchor, any of those outlets, you can find us. We are the Sports Bros. I'm Andy. That's Aaron. Uh, Aaron, last word before we go. I don't have anything. I All don't. Right. Just go. Just keep the wagon wheel. Got the wagon wheel. That's right. All right. Keep the wagon wheel. Go Cougs. <laughs>